Welcome back, everybody. It's Monday, and that means the beginning of a new week, but also another recap episode. Dominic Salee, how are we today? I'm doing very well, and I, you know, I was just thinking as you were introing there, this is going to be episode 46. We're slowly but surely approaching a milestone episode 50, Noah. What are your thoughts? The big five zero. Wow, it's crazy how quickly it's uh, it's about to come and go. <laughs> it it really is. If my math is correct, this will be our UFC two fifty six preview. Will be episode fifty. Oh, really? That's cool. I'm I'm happy to hear that. That that is very interesting. But yeah, yeah. we're almost episode fifty. Shout out to all you all listening. We're thankful and we love doing this. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really fun. Um, regard and again, you know, we are very appreciative of anybody who supports us and listens to us. But at the end of the day, I have a good feeling that it, even if we had zero people listening to us, I think we'd still be doing this as as it is. So it's oh yeah, it's very nice <laughs> that how we foresaw it being and that we kind of saw it being just kind of a, a hobby that we could do. We already talked about. UFC every time we hang out with each other so this kind of gives us for one it kind of it gives us more time to actually like hang out with each other yeah kind of through the week and stuff but then we get to talk about this shit constantly so it's really a good um in one hand it's a good hobby to have but on two the other hand it's a it's a good stress reliever at times I think yeah Cause it's just something that I can consistently put just not a ton of time into, but you know, I, I do my homework. I do, I, we put into work, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a pretty painless process. And, uh, obviously you're a very easy person to do a podcast with. So uh, yes, yes. Um, it's, it's quite fun and I don't see us slowing down anytime soon, especially cause I feel like we're really starting to get the hang of doing these, uh, these podcasts when we're in different locations. Yeah. We've got the remote that, ones down. We've got the in-person ones down, you know, yeah. cause obviously we prefer to be in person, but, um, you know, when you think real long term, you know, eventually there's going to be a time where we may not be in the same city mm-hmm. <laughs> living wise. So, uh, it's, it's important that we, we kind of know what we're getting into and kind of really nail this shit down now. And I think we're really getting there. We're, we're definitely growing into our roles here and we're only going to get better. So it's, it is awesome though, that to see the growth we've had in just a couple months and it makes me very excited for the future. Oh yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Mm-hmm. But as I said, at the top here, we're recapping hashtag UFC Vegas. Uh, 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 wait, did we actually lose him? No, 15. Oh, oh. <laughs> is, is that what it was? The 15? Yeah, yeah. I literally, first, I, I was like, here it comes. I, was hoping, I, was, I paused hoping you would you would slide in to save me there, but that's okay. Oh, uh, yes. So UFC Vegas 15. Uf, hashtag UFC Vegas 15 is what happened Saturday night. Headlined by Anthony Smith and a huge bounce back win over Devin Clark. We'll be recapping those full results and giving our thoughts of what's next for these guys and just our overall thoughts of each fight. But first, 
it's everyone's favorite segment. It's time for the news. The news. Not a ton. Nope. But some very important stuff to go over here. We start with our fight announcements. Maybe one that's a little bit smaller compared. Like these are these are two. It's basically like a legends fight here in a way. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, they're not necessarily going to be um, fighting for titles anytime soon. But for February sixth, for that I believe that's a fight night. We are going to be getting Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida. A fun one here, Dom, to say the least. Yeah, that's a violent fight. <laughs> Violence personified. I mean, we've got two veterans here that have been really in the UFC since before we were even watching, essentially, at least yeah. on a consistent, like, passionate basis. Um, so this is going to be a really fun fight. Again, they've been doing a lot of fights recently, the UFC, where people are at a certain point in their careers, both guys or girls, and they match them up together perfectly. And here's another great example of that. Two guys on their way out, but still have the passion to fight, still put on good performances, still can even pull out wins. Why not match them up against each other? So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think this could this is deserving of a main card just because of the two guys, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, this fight... Expect someone to get very bloody. Yeah, and uh, Clay Guida, man, that guy's been going literally since. I mean, when you're talking about a veteran, yeah, uh, he's a guy that's been going since literally the tough boom. Yeah, you know, right after you know the 2005, 2006. That's when he really was. At one time, he was a legitimate contender. You know, that he was, I mean, he was, everybody's always loved the guy because he's a wild man. He's got the hair going on. He's really got the look down and he, he fights. He goes in there with reckless abandon. Mm -hmm. And for Michael Johnson, while he may not have quite the uh, status of a Clay Guida as far as in fans' minds, um, do not sleep on Mr. Michael Johnson because he will beat your favorite fighter. I think I know <laughs> where you're going them. toward here. Yeah, so... Michael Johnson and me have a rocky relationship. <laughs> and here's why. It's because I know how good Michael Johnson can be. Because he has beat multiple of my favorite fighters. He's beat, help me out here, Dustin Poirier. Knocked yes. him out. Yes. Dustin Poirier's, uh, it was his last loss before Habib, I believe. Uh, so, like, it was the loss. And then Poirier kind of went on that big run, leading them to the title shot against Habib. So... He'd be knocked out in brutal fashion, Dustin Poirier. He was the last man, well, I shouldn't say the last man now, but he beat Tony Ferguson, and that was right before Tony went on his big 12-fight win streak. Yep. And then there's another one he's beat, and I can't think of who it was. I mean, he took he was Justin Gaethje's debut, and at times looked like he might beat Justin Gaethje. So. Well, I mean, we're talking about a guy in Michael Johnson here that just – Four years ago, UFC 205 in 2016 was on the main card in what was essentially looked at as almost the number one contender fight between him and Habib. Like, that's yeah, not that long ago when you think about it. So he's had a very, very interesting career. Now fighting at 145 pounds, used to be a lightweight, now a featherweight. It's just a wild ride, to say the least, for Michael Johnson. It was... Psst, psst, hey, Dom. It was uh, it was on the prelims, but oh, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> it was the prelim headliner. 
And then that's when Habib was pissed because he was originally looked at to be the guy fighting in the main event. Right. And he said, give me your chicken. But uh, Michael Johnson even hurt Habib at times in that fight. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is, this is where I'm getting into my anger part here. Is that he's, he's been kind of unlucky, but he just, he's a guy who at, on any given night, he can be a top, t- he can be a top 10 fighter. But then he can also be a bottom 10 fighter. It literally, and I don't want to say bottom 10. It's just he, you know, in his last fight, he fought uh, Tiago. Who just beat Bobby Green? Tiago Moises. Tiago Moises. Michael Johnson looked great first round. Then right away in the second round gets caught in like a heel hook or um, a knee bar or something like that. Fight was over. It's just like so disappointing. It's like you know how good this guy can be. And yet he just seems to just, and right when he's on the cusp, he just can't quite land, make the landing, you know? Right. <clears throat> but those victories to his name, I mean, that really does put him in that kind of status of like a legend of the game. I mean, he you can't take that away from him. He's beat guys like Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. And, and another guy that? um, that's always in exciting fights. So that's why mm-hmm. this pairing is very interesting, and I don't think they've ever fought each other, which, again, is kind of crazy because both these guys have go back quite a ways. Both used to be lightweights, now both featherweights. Here we are. Yeah, give it to me. I'm all ready for it. How did we get here? I don't really know, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on from there, here's kind of our big... Uh, these are both... We have two fight announcements and also two fight cancellations. That yeah, we just did like directly... some, some switcheroos here, kind of. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start with the main headline being that our, our main event for this coming Friday, uh, Kevin Holland was originally scheduled. He Well, first it was originally scheduled to be Jack Hermanson and Darren Till. Darren Till had to pull out of the fight due to injury. Kevin Holland stepping in, looking to go 5-0 and in 2020 and uh, be one of the basically three potential choices for fighter of the year yep um however he has tested positive for COVID 19 unfortunately so he was pulled up from that main event however jack romanson agreed to fight mr marvin vittori who was originally scheduled on the main card for ufc 256 against jacare Souza. so now vittori stepping into the main event this friday Kevin Holland will be fighting Jacare Souza on UFC 256. So we will start with the main event since that is coming up. I know we don't want to get too in detail here because we're going to be breaking this down on Friday. But, Dom, I'm going to just start by saying uh, no disrespect to Kevin Holland here. I was happy to see him getting that kind of opportunity. But I think this is actually better that we're getting Marvin Vittori versus Jack Manson. Considering Vittori... Uh, is ranked 13th. Yeah. Kevin Holland unranked. He goes and fights Jacare, who Jacare at this point is not ranked, I don't believe. And but, then Vittori gets to fight yeah. and potentially move himself into a borderline top five. Uh, I'm very excited about this. So for Vittori, Hermanson, kind of what are your thoughts? The big winner here out of all four of these fighters is Marvin Vittori. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy that's been calling for his shot. You know, he's been ranked in the top 15 for a little while. Now he's 13th. He says a lot of people turn down fights with him. Very talented guy. We're talking about a guy that went to a split decision with Israel Adesanya. I think a lot of people forget about that. 
Uh, he's on a three-fight win streak now. He's beating guys like Cesar Ferreira, Andrew Sanchez, Carl Groverson via submission. He's on a tear right now. He's deserving of a fight like this. Uh, and for him to still, you know, regardless of him being in a training camp, getting ready for Jacare, it still says a lot that he's willing to take the number four ranked guy on essentially a week's notice, regardless mm-hmm. of if he's training or not. Uh, so this fight is great. Shout out to Jack Hermanson for taking this, by the way. This guy is as game as they come. Loses the Till fight, which was huge for him. Then he gets an unranked fighter in Kevin Holland with all the momentum in the world, and he had everything to lose, speaking of Jack. Then Holland falls out, and he's like, damn it, man, I just want to fight. On the same very phone call, they say, we've got Vittori lined up for you. Do you want it? Yes, 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 he says. So for Jack here, still has a lot to lose, obviously. He's ranked fourth. He's fight number 13. But a guy with a good name value, a very talented fighter, a loss here doesn't just erase Jack from title conversation in the future. Uh, a win is huge for him. And for Marvin, like I already mentioned, this he is the big winner here. If he were to get this done, he makes a statement and puts himself up there with the top guys in this division. Um, I guess I'm just going to segue right into Holland and Jacare. This fight makes a ton of sense. Like you said, Jacare is no longer ranked, but he's a legend of MMA. Holland, not ranked either, but this is a big name for him. This would by far be the biggest name on his resume uh, in a really big test. Jacare is a guy that is dangerous anywhere. So I am leaning toward Holland just because Jacare is getting older, hasn't had the best performances as of late, but it still should be a good fight. It's a good test for both guys to see where they are. And for Holland, essentially beating um, Jacare here, Lines himself up for still probably a top 10 competition to be realistic coming next for him. And still a chance to go 5-0 and on the year. So a lot of moving pieces here with some switcheroos and people getting hurt and testing positive for COVID and all this. But at the end of the day, we still get two great fights. And, you know, Vittori is now headlining, obviously, which is great for him this weekend. Now we have another fight added to 256, which we keep saying like is going to get slept on. This card is turning to be pretty incredible, if you ask me. So, all in all, it plays out, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to start here by uh, saying uh, big props to Jack Hermanson. This is now his third scheduled opponent. And on that phone call, he didn't really know he was being recorded. He was just like, yep, give him to me. Yeah. So, it really shows that that guy is game and willing to fight anybody which is the way you really should be mm-hmm. you know dana speaks to that a lot there's a lot of guys out there in the fight game who will look to just hold their place so they don't want to take these dangerous fights or these fights that could potentially ruffle ruffle their position or you know are risky or whatnot and i get it i get why um, i'm not saying that you know these guys that are fight that are number one contenders should be fighting unranked guys i'm just saying that um, it speaks to Jack's, um, I guess it just speaks to his character as a fighter that he's willing to step up and do that and basically save the main event, you know. Um, on the other hand, Kevin Holland versus Jock Ray Souza, it's a great fight. People, you know, forget Jock Ray is unranked now, but the reason he's unranked at middleweight is because he moved up to light heavyweight. So they took him out of the middleweight, middleweight rankings 
the guy is still a top 15 middleweight regardless of the very very close to that anyway i mean i know his last few performances have been um they've left you know it's definitely looks like he's he's taken a step backwards instead of a step forwards and that uh his his debut at light heavyweight was um not great even though he went up against Jan Blahovich, went to a decision with Blahovich, who's now the champion but it was just a dull fight so this is still a huge test for Kevin Holland maybe not quite the test that it was for him to be fighting Jack or Manson but it's it's a more reasonable step it's a more realistic step for him at this point and I love it I just think that these matchups somehow even though I I don't want Kevin Holland to be having COVID and I don't love that these shakeups are happening so close. You know, I, I understand you have to do what you have to do, but I think that the matchups make more sense as they are now. Yeah, than I they agree. And a guy, and I love it. Um, people, I think forget too more to your point on Jacare and how talented he is. I mean, this is again kind of like in the same boat as Jagard Musasi. This is one of the best fighters we've ever had in the UFC not to ever get a title shot. Yeah. So, a lot to prove here for Jacare too. Just to kind of say I'm not quite done yet. Yeah, 100%. And I do want to also say that I am very happy for Marvin Vittori because he has notoriously, you you alluded to this, had some very bad luck. Um, he said that a lot of guys have turned down fights with him, but also the fights he's been scheduled to have just seem to fall through all the time, not even because of him, just his opponent getting hurt or whatever reason having to pull out. So he's a guy that's been relatively inactive over the last uh, few years, but it's more so been because he, the guys he takes fights with just can't make it to fight night. Yeah, and this dude, only 27 years old, made his debut in the UFC when he was 23. You know, the Italian dream. Look out for Marvin Vittori. Like, seriously, this guy has serious skills and has the weapons, I think, to cause problems. I mean, ask, ask our champion in the middleweight division if you don't 100%. believe it. And it, I, I do think that um, I, I think that it's just I just think it's very cool that like he's able to kind of get this opportunity here because he's had such a tough road to really get in the octagon essentially. So um, I'm, I'm all about these matchups. Uh, UFC 256 is looking fantastic. You know, we thought 255 was great. 256 is probably better. Oh, yeah, you know, man. <laughs> on paper. On paper, anyways. Uh, again, really, the, the fights aren't made on paper. They're made in the octagon. So we'll see how the actual in, in-ring in action goes. But um, I, if any, again, people are going to get slapped up if they start telling me that 256 is, is weak. Right. They're going to get slapped up. No cap. You're just really getting more violent as we go into this podcast I more. I know. I'm. I'm. It's. I'm. I'm using my Twitter fingers or whatever you want to call it. I'm. I'm. I'm talking behind the camera, so it's easy for me right now. If you're like this now, imagine what you're going to be like by episode 100. You're going to be. You're going to be calling people out on the mic and everything. 100. percent But those are our fight announcements. We'll move on to the rest here. Um, Dominic, you told me before we started recording that you did not have a chance to listen to Dana White's post-fight press conference on Saturday night. And um, there was one big takeaway. You know, he said a lot of things, as Dana does. And, you know, it was a great – it was 17 minutes long, pretty good uh, press conference to listen to. I'm big. 
and Dom is too. We love listening to yeah. Dana White just do interviews or anything. You know, sure. Does he say we'll see how it plays out a lot? Yes, he does. But there's always something to take away from everything that guy says. He can't help himself. He's he's too he's got he's too vocal to just hold back from us that much. He he always gives a little something. Well, there was a lot of something in this press conference because we right at the end here, you know, guys, you know, the the press had asked him about all the guys that were fighting on Saturday, and um, not too much to take away from there. You know, Dana stands by. He thinks Habib's going to go for thirty and zero, so that's cool. Uh, they're meeting in Abu Dhabi at some point. However, at the very end, a reporter randomly asked about Yair Rodriguez. Now, we have not talked about Yair Rodriguez that much on the podcast. It's true. Really, the last we had heard about him was when Habib had put a picture of the potential main card for UFC 254, and it showed Yair Rodriguez versus Zabit Magomed Sharipov on that main card. But then that fight just never got announced. Nothing was ever said. We just assumed that it either was never really booked, even though it had been rumored to be, whatever. This fight was – that fight with Zabit was originally, I believe, when we first started this podcast, scheduled to headline a fight night in August. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And then I believe Yair had to pull out uh, at the time due to injury. So that leads into what this reporter's question was. He essentially asked about Yair. He said – on Yair's Instagram, it looked like he was training at full capacity, going full go. Looked like he was healthy. Uh, he asked when we could expect to see Yair fight again and if the plan was to book him and Zabit. Well, Dana, <laughs> looking potentially a little puzzled, he, he has a, a woman off stage. I don't know if it's like a PR. I think it's the head of PR. Yeah. Yeah. She's always there at these post fight press conferences. Um, so he looks off uh, stage or out, outside the camera and he's like, we haven't commented publicly on that. And she, uh, she says, you know, probably no. And he's like, why not? So then she says something, he goes, ba- essentially he says, uh, don't expect Yair to be fighting anytime soon. Yeah. And then some other reporters, like I think it was John Gooden actually, or uh, what's his name? The, the big guy that's always got the first question. John Morgan. John Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, um, is it an injury? Dana's like, no. <laughs> so a very eerie way to end this this press conference. But, man, am I interested in hearing what's going on with Yair Rodriguez now. And I think it was only appropriate that we address this on the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. So, Dominic. What's going on with Yair? Um, did Usada come knocking on the door? Huh? Did Did Usada come knocking on the door? <laughs> this This is the This has got to be the obvious one, right? Yeah, I mean, like it was more so too. Dan is like, you know, it's out of our hands. It's not in the UFC's control. You'll hear about it when you hear about it. I'm just. But then the fact that he said, like, oh, we haven't done anything about it yet, I was like. He said that the UFC, he said that it's not uh, the UFC's business. Yeah. So, I mean, USADA kind of is, 
But at the same time, it's not, especially now you yeah. said they're kind of going about testing people in a different way where they don't make official announcements until they go through a bunch of testing and double check to make sure it's for real. Mm-hmm. So option number one, he pops positive for something maybe. I don't know. Again, this is all speculation. We're just tossing yeah. questions here. Uh, number two, just some personal issues. I don't know, maybe legal trouble, like legal trouble or family issues or what. I mean, he seems to be healthy, so that's mm-hmm. a good thing. He's if he's in the gym training on his Instagram and stuff. So I don't really know, but all I know is I just want him and Zabit to fight. <laughs> if I'm being honest, this fight has been talked about since me and you worked at the Gardenland. <laughs> I remember uh, at that time on our lunch breaks, you know, if, I, if me and you weren't working, and by the way, for people who don't know, <laughs> me and Dominic worked at the same garden shop. Dominic got me a job there. That was summer of 2018. Yes, just to give some perspective on how long we've been talking about this. So it's been two and a half years since we worked there. And I remember if you weren't there, I would go on my lunch break, I'd go to a drive through and I'd sit in like the parking lot and yep. eat and I would put on uh I believe like an M- you know, like MMA world or yeah. something yeah. and just listen to it. And um they were talking about doing that fight then. And that is where you get into really the beginnings of the 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 I guess behind the scenes uh, animosity between Yair Rodriguez and the UFC. Yeah, um, the UFC no- uh, notoriously cut Yair for like a day, and a lot of people thought it was because he wouldn't accept the Zabit fight. So you had those troubles then, and really, that's that has really halted Yair's potential that time period. Yeah, because Yair looked like a star. They put him up against uh, BJ Penn to headline a fight night, and he destroyed BJ Penn. They should not have. That was that was that poor guy BJ was being thrown into the slaughter there. Yeah. But then they gave him a big high profile fight against Frankie Edgar on uh, I want to say it was UFC 211. They were making Yair out to be the legend killer. Yeah, and then Frankie Edgar said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> Beat the shit out of Yair Rodriguez. But, you know, you just go, okay, he's just not quite ready for Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar's one of the top guys still at that time. So then they want to do this big prospect matchup, essentially, with Zabit. And at least from the outside looking in, it just seemed like Zabit wanted it. Yair didn't, for whatever reason. Well, he gets cut. Then a few days later, he's brought back, and then the fight is scheduled, never goes through. Just, you know, sure, he's had some good fights since then. He had the mate, one of the best knockouts you'll ever see against the Korean Zombie, a fight he was probably losing. Yeah. Gets a knockout with literally one second left in the fifth round with just the, the most wild of elbows you'll ever see. Yeah. And then you have the fight with, uh, you have kind of the drama where he was headlining a card in Mexico against Jeremy Stevens. Um, I believe it was an eye poke that caused Stevens couldn't literally couldn't see out of his eyes. Yep. The fight had to be a no contest. They rebook it. Yair wins, but Yair really pouted his way when the when the fight got stopped in that first one. 
you kind of bitched and moaned about it. And I get it. You're in you're you're in Mexico. That's where you're from. You want to put on a show for these fans, but it didn't put him in the best light because ultimately he was the one that poked <laughs> Jeremy Stevens, um, and then he was really mad that Jeremy wouldn't keep fighting. And you know it's it's been a weird. It's been a weird road for Yair here, and this is just, again, muddying the waters of really, are we ever going to really see Yair Rodriguez reach his full potential? Yeah, it's strange, and now we're at the point where that was in November of 2019, haven't seen him fight, and they've essentially been working to pair him with Zabit the entire year, because Zabit has not fought since December of 2019, so... It's just very odd. I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, I just hope it's nothing too serious. I hope nobody's in any trouble or any you know, illnesses or anything like that. And, you know, I guess we just hope to see this fight in 2021, question mark? <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're again, we're speculating quite a bit here. But how can you not with that kind of comment? I mean, otherwise, so, like, what do you do with Zabit? You got to do something with Zabit. I mean, maybe the loser of uh, Volkanovski and uh, Ortega. Yeah, or even Holloway, Cater. Even what was Zabit but just then the problem Cater? is, is really Zabit should be fighting like now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he could get a title shot. If it wasn't for the amazing performance Ortega had, he probably could. I mean, he's on a six-fight win streak been very dominant beating top I mean, guys. never forget that was in our very first news segment we said that Zabit could be getting yeah that's when the fight with him and Yair fell through we said Zabit could very well be getting the next title shot yeah now, Ortega kind of came in and uh, made that a little less likely but you got to think that there's got to be someone for him to maybe he fights Korean zombie next hmm? oh god mm-hmm. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's an option. It's I would like to think at this point he's been it's been a year, yeah, almost a complete year. I I feel like at this point that title shot that we thought he could pretty much waltz into, I think it's kind of came and went. I feel like he kind of has to fight again at this point, right? So we'll see, uh, kind of going back to Yair, you know, it's all speculation, but it doesn't look good, put it that way. It's just It, it can't be good news. They can't be waiting to publicly acknowledge the great news that Yair is ready to fight. You know, that's obviously not what this is. Just hope that it's not going to hold him out too long or be too serious to where hopefully he can come back and we'll get to see him reach his full potential or at least be given an opportunity to right um the last part of our news segment today this is really not news it's really just following up on what i talked about in uh the saturday special episode we did um i wanted to go over the mike tyson versus roy jones jr card that happened saturday night i ended up buying the pay-per-view down i i spent fifty dollars of my own money to watch two guys with a combined age of 105 fight. Anchor, and... somebody help him. Help him. Anchor. <laughs> Get Anchor on the line. Because apparently I just love to waste money. Yeah. But what I will say is this card was both better than I thought it would be at times and worse than I thought it would be at times. 
So I'm just going to quickly, because Dom, you did not watch any of the fights. Correct? I did not partake in the activities. Yeah, so I watched both. I had this on the TV, and then on my laptop, I had the UFC fights. So I still watched everything. But um, essentially, the pay-per-view itself was four fights. Uh, there was one fight before that that you could watch for free. I did not check that one out. It was Edward Vasquez uh, getting a, a decision win over Irvin Gonzalez Jr. Didn't watch that one, so I don't know anything about that. Uh, the pay-per-view started with Jermaine Ortiz getting a TKO in the seventh round over Suleiman, Suleiman Sagawa. What a name. We uh, love cool names. I, what I'll say about that fight, these both guys were looked at, at least according to the broadcast, which actually I do want to say Israel Adesanya was fantastic on the broadcast team. I was going to ask you um, about that. He did do yeah, well. So, yeah, he did really well. You had Mauro Ranello, who's a, a very revered uh, play-by-play guy in MMA. He's also done WWE, things like that. So he's just like the go-to guy. I didn't realize that he was stepping up in the last second uh, for someone else. So Mauro Ranello was not even really supposed to be a part of this broadcast. It ends up being brought in last second. He was obviously great as per usual. And then you had uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, who was a legend of the boxing game. Um, Sugar Ray, he's a soft-spoken guy. Not as you, there's got to be a weak link here, and he was, but I wouldn't say he was bad by any means. But Israel Adesanya and Mauro Ranello really carried things. And then for the last two fights, you had Snoop Dogg on commentary. I heard everybody was, uh, enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. I mean, considering, I mean, it's kind of depends on what you're looking for. Do you want these fights to be treated seriously? Maybe you're not loving Snoop Dogg on commentary. But if you kind of treat it as being kind of the freak show, just circus that it kind of is, embrace it what for what it is, um, then yeah, maybe, maybe you can enjoy it. And I enjoyed having Snoop Dogg on there. It was funny. It was fun. As for the fights themselves, I won't go into too much detail here, but Ortiz versus Sagawa, these guys were looked at according to the broadcast as being like two up-and-comers, two prospects. Um, Sagawa had a lot more power in his shots. He was really putting everything into every shot. Uh, Ortiz was much more precise, much more, had better movement, better head movement. And that really showed in the later rounds and Ortiz being able to get that TKO in the seventh round. Um, the second fight was that light heavyweight. It was Badu Jack getting a unanimous decision win over Blake McKernan. Dom, the odds for this fight, Badu Jack was a Minus twenty five hundred favorite. Oh my goodness! Blake McKernan was a plus eight hundred underdog. So you're telling so me I we should have threw some dollar bills on this one? So I saw that and I went, "Damn!" <laughs> and I didn't know Valentino was on the card. <laughs> yeah, and what I'll say is it kind of helped to be true. Uh, Badu Jack dominated this fight, but. McKernan, man, that dude, he was undefeated at 13-0, so I'm assuming he was fight. I mean, Badu Jack's a former champion, so he's like 37, so he's an older guy at this point. McKernan, less proven, but he was still an undefeated guy. What do we say, Dom? Undefeated for a reason. That is precisely it. Um, that guy's chin was incredible, man. He was taking just some clean shots from Badu Jack and able to push forward. Uh, was still throwing some of his own in the later rounds didn't look like he felt defeated or anything. So a good performance considering that he 
was obviously the it was definitely a lopsided matchmaking here for him and uh, maybe too big of a jump in competition but um, Jack got a big win he was aiming for a rematch with uh, someone he's fought in the past I don't remember who it was exactly so if you're a boxing like huge boxing fan and you're watching this you're probably like oh brother this guy stinks. Sorry, I'm a filthy casual when it comes to boxing. Unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. Now, I appreciate you trying. Now we get to our our co-main. Oh. The YouTube sensation, Jake Paul, with the second round knockout of the three-time dunk champion, Nate Robinson. And let me just say, Dom, this might have been the worst fight I've ever seen in my life. Um. I'm just going to let you I, continue. <laughs> I watched Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. Oh. And I think this fight was worse. Oh. Um. The only positive that I can give for what I saw was that it was over in a couple minutes. So what I'll say here is for anybody who really thought Nate Robinson was going to win this, I can see why. You know, he is the, by far the better athlete considering he was, you know, he's a 5'9 guy with like a 43-inch vertical. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. He tried out for the Seahawks. You know, he's done everything. Jake Paul has only – Jake Paul does technically have a professional fight before this. He was one to know professionally, but it was also against another YouTuber who hadn't fought before. So, you know. I don't know about that one. Do with that what you will. But my point is Jake Paul has been training and boxing professionally for two years. Nate Robinson just started training a few months ago. Um, Really, it was pretty obvious how this fight was going to turn out, in my opinion, unless Nate Robinson just landed some crazy haymaker. It it seemed like Jake Paul was obviously going to win this. But the fashion it happened was not what I thought was going to happen. Essentially what you had was Nate Robinson had no idea what he was doing. Uh, He would basically try to come in with a flurry, and Jake Paul would just clinch him up. This was Clinch Fest 2020, (laughs) if I've ever seen one. These guys, for the first round especially, they clinched every, I think, two or three seconds. I saw someone said Nate Robinson unofficially was 0 of 15 on (laughs) takedowns. (laughs) Takedowns. Yeah, um... So really, it was Nate Robinson just trying to jump in with the flurry, and then Jake Paul just clenched him up, and that was literally for most of the first round. But then Jake Paul did drop Nate Robinson, I think, twice in the first round, and then the second round, man, he landed that that shot, and Nate Robinson uh, face planted, flatlined him, knocked the fuck out. Thank God, get it off my screen. Don't ever. Don't ever put these two guys on a card anywhere near this main event ever again. Because surprisingly, our main event of Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., it was the best fight of the card. It was actually a good fight. It was fun. I had fun watching it. Um, Tyson and Jones, you know, Tyson especially, great shape. Um, everybody thought Jones would have the advantage when it came to like the later rounds because Roy Jones Jr. last fought professionally like three or four years ago, while Mike Tyson last fought professionally about 15 years ago. 
So everybody thought the stamina advantage would go to Jones, but Tyson was the fresher guy in those later rounds, and it really showed. I thought this was an obvious win for Mike Tyson. But once again, and I got a joke about this. I talked about it a little bit on Friday. One of the reasons that me and Dom have such a hard time getting into boxing is the corruption and politics in the sport. And it's always shown in those high-profile fights, you know, Canelo versus Triple G, Tyson versus, uh, or excuse me, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, those first fights being a draw when they really shouldn't be. And then they set up a second fight, an immediate rematch that it makes even more money, and then you get the winner. So there's always these shitty decisions that are draws And that's with the professional judges, the ones brought in by the athletic commission. So now you have three unofficial uh, judges and these uh, former fighters brought in. And they still scored it a draw. And it was like, oh, my gosh, boxing, man. Even with an unofficial scorecard, you still come in with a shitty draw that shouldn't have been a draw in the first place. Mike Tyson wanted to fight people, if you even care. This I do want to actually give props to Triller. Uh, the the it's an app apparently, and they were the ones that were behind this whole thing. Yeah, like the sponsor. The, pres- the presentation of this of this card was awesome, especially when you were actually in the fight. They basically completely blacked out, like with the lights. Like it was completely dark outside of the ring. Reminded me of Pride back in the day. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff there. And they had these really huge LED screens or whatever you want to call it surrounding the walls. And they would put up like different ads or whatever, or different things for the fight. Uh, the entrances looked good. They felt like big deals. I'm not a big fan of the 20 minute concerts in between each fight. You start out with Wiz Khalifa and he was good. I had fun listening to Wiz Khalifa, but then you had like um, French Montana, um, YG, uh, St. John and then um, Snoop Dogg did one at the end. Uh, really outside of Wiz Khalifa, the rest of them, I, I can't say were super enjoyable. But, you know, it is what it is. But that got a little annoying after a while. All in all, did I waste 50 bucks? Probably. <laughs> but I wouldn't say it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. So I guess in that way, it did better to my expectations. It kept you entertained. Uh, yeah, it, it it did its job. <laughs> I will say that I found myself looking more like I kept watching the UFC fights over it, even though the UFC fights I'm paying five dollars a month for essentially <laughs> with the SPM Plus, while the pay per view was fifty. So my priorities still lied with the UFC, and I think that's a good segue here as we end the news. And move on to hashtag UFC Vegas 15, where we're going to recap all the results from the main card. We had six fights. We so love gonna, that. Yeah, we're going to jump in with our featherweight action to open the main card. Jonathan Pierce, Kai Kamaka, the third. Dom, I'm just going to start here by saying uh, really a good technical fight here, but one where it was pretty clear. Jonathan Pierce was just on a, he just looked great here. Um, his ability to get the fights to the ground and really 
enforce his will on Kai Kamaka was obvious, but I will say if I want to give a plus for Kamaka here, his ability to transition it, those like ground exchanges, he did that multiple times in the fight. So his his grappling defense was somewhat of a positive here. However, he, he had no ability to really stop the takedown and you know, he didn't show anything really offensively. So this was pretty much all Pierce. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, the first round was very entertaining. Uh, I really enjoyed that first round. But it, it really did. As soon as round two started, it was all Jonathan Pierce. He found that he was the predominant uh, or the better grappler and predominantly went on to just control the entire round. He was on top for multiple minutes. Um, like you said, Kai was good and didn't seem lost necessarily on the ground, but I think Pierce is just a different level, I guess, than Kamaka, at least last night he was. Um, he held that full mount for so long, would go back and forth, he was punching him in the face, then Kai would roll to his back, he'd try and lock in a submission, then Kai would roll back over, then he'd start punching him again, and I was like, oh, throw in the damn towel! And then ultimately... Four minutes and 28 seconds into round two. Pierce does get the second round uh, TKO. Jonathan Pierce, man, I was impressed. Kai Kamaka, by the way, came into that fight on a six-fight win streak. No slouch. Very good. Uh, very technical. But, man, Pierce impressed me a lot last night. I agree. And, you know, Kamaka, to your point, he proved he could do it at the biggest level. I mean, he opened UFC 252 in what was maybe the fight of the night if he went off the whole card. A great fight that he got the win and and Jonathan Pierce had really not proven himself in the UFC. I believe he had a loss before this, correct? Yeah, I mean his uh it was the well, he had the contender series, one on that, but then right. his technical UFC debut was the Joe Lozon fight. Yeah. And that was one where he was beat pretty swiftly, pretty quickly. Now yes, Lozon a legend and a big step in competition there. But for him to really he really enforced his will here. And for the positives I'm giving to Kai Kamaka, that's more just because it, it looked like, he, I mean, he was pretty much in survival mode uh, for a lot of the fight, uh, especially that second round, like you mentioned. Um, but really, Pierce just, yeah, what you were saying is, like, no matter what Kamaka tried to do, whether, especially when it was on the ground, whether it was being on his stomach, being on his back, Pierce looked so comfortable with either going for the ground and pound or going for the submissions and i was impressed i really was oh he was well on his way to a 10-8 round had it went 30 more seconds i mean it was 100%. it was pure dominance in that second round 100 percent. so we'll move on to our second fight here it was originally scheduled at women's bantamweight however norma dumont missing weight by four and a half pounds she does get the unanimous decision win over ashley evan smith who was a veteran for women's MMA here, 30-26 on all three judges' scorecards. Dominic, Norma Dumont looked fantastic. I know she missed weight, and that is a factor. So, But if she can get that weight down, you know, get oh. to that 135 pounds, she's a real problem here at Bantamweight. Um, in terms of, like, pure performance, Norma impressed me a lot last night. Um, maybe the most impressive outside of one other gentleman we'll get to shortly norma looked incredible heavy hands man really good boxing bunch of power 
and never got tired. I mean, she was throwing bombs for three rounds and never tired, looked good the whole time, 15 straight rounds. You figured maybe, and you hinted at this on the preview episode with this tough weight cut, maybe she doesn't look very good. Um, but she looked incredible. Ashley Evan Smith is no slouch. She's been fighting forever and fought the toughest uh, that there are. Then in the third round, Norma nearly got a TKO. So shout out to Ashley Evan Smith for surviving it somehow because she was getting pounded up against the fence in that round three. Uh, the ref was right on top of him, but did a good job, never jumped in. And uh, Norma goes on to get the 30-26 on all three scorecards. Man, I'm telling you right now, if she can get this weight cut in check, because again, she's coming. she was a featherweight, so maybe she just was walking around a little too heavy, underestimated uh, the weight cut. Now she knows how serious it is and how she needs to get her body prepared sooner or just walk around a little less just to make it easier on her. But man, if Norma gets the weight cut down, she's top 15, like, ready right now. I, I'm... I was so impressed by her last night. I can't wait to see her fight again. hundred um, percent. Ashley Evans Smith is no joke, man. I mean, that, that like I said, a veteran for women's MMA and in this division. And Norma just walked through her like she was nothing, basically. Wherever the fight went. And the striking was probably my biggest takeaway. Her just ability to find those openings. I mean, Ashley's face looked like a damn tomato afterwards. I mean, she... She was getting the shit beat out of her. And it was, I mean, it was pretty simple stuff. It was basic, her striking. I mean, it was very much like straight lefts, straight rights. And Ashley just had no answer. She just couldn't stop it because ultimately, if you put too much in the blocking the face, then you're potentially getting taken down and things like that. Norma just looked comfortable everywhere. And I, I, I know I said that. A lot of the same things I said about Pierce, you could say about Norma in this fight. It was so impressive. I, again, the weight, missing weight, that sucks because you know that takes away from her victory and, and a, a little bit. But at the same time, I, I don't think it would have mattered. <laughs> I just think that she was the better woman in this fight, and it, it showed. Yeah, I want to say uh, I talked about her on the feet a lot. I didn't even go in to her on the ground not that the fight was on the ground very much but when it was it was easy work for her she was literally dominant everywhere the fight went very well rounded that's another reason i'm so excited uh i'm glad i got a chance to throw that in there really quick yeah Mm -hmm. top 15 right now in bantamweight for her that that's what it's got to be next i don't have a name i mean i'm looking at the rankings that bottom like 12 through 15 is really up in the air right now for women's bantamweight but she's ready for any of them. I, I stand mm-hmm. by that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, yeah, I mean, I guess there's really nothing else to say there. I will say I was very close to giving this fight of the night. For as one-sided as it was, mm-hmm. she was going for the finish the entire fight. Yep. And it was very exciting. I mean, just seeing the amount of punishment that Ashley Evan Smith could take, That's that woman's a dog. I mean, to be able to stand in there for as long as she did. And, you know, it's unfortunate she wasn't really ever to show anything from her offensive arsenal. But, you know, she hung in there. She did her best. But, man, Norma was just, I mean, she just looked on a different level. Yeah. Very excited for what we can see out of her in the future. 100%.
So we'll move on to featherweight action. Nam, this was what you predicted to be fight of the night between Bill Algio and Spike Carlisle. A very good pick. Not sure it quite lived up to expectations here. Algio did get the unanimous decision win, 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. What were kind of your thoughts overall here? Um, Good fight, but not what I expected out of based on, I guess, their last fights for both guys. However... Mm -hmm. Round one was fun. It was definitely a feeling out round. It was slower paced. Uh, Spike did a good job of controlling the grappling. He had Algio in a bulldog choke at one point. Um, it was very tight, I will say. You don't see bulldog chokes very often. Uh, shout out Ben Askren. But uh, Algio survived it, got out of it, ended the round on top. I personally scored round one for Spike. I, I don't know how you feel about that. But ultimately, obviously, no, none of the judges did, which, you know, is fine. We go into round two, all Bill Algio. Round two of this fight reminded me of round two of Pierce and Kamaka outside of the finish. Um, Algio dominated the entire round on the ground. Spike couldn't get up. He had no answers for him. So I had it 1-1 going into round three. Round three was very lackluster because Spike was noticeably drained. Very tired. Um, really didn't have anything left in the tank. He kind of just held Bill on the fence the entire time, uh, which to a point you're like, oh, maybe he won round three. But whenever they weren't on the fence, Bill was getting the better of the exchanges on the feet, which ultimately led to him getting that round. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Bill Algio looked good. He was disappointed with his performance. I always respect when someone talks about that and how they want to get better and what they want to get better at. Uh, he even said he wanted this to be on the on the feet more. So, you know, a good fight. I like both these guys. I think bigger upside in terms of a career as a whole in the UFC, I do think that goes to Bill Algio. Algio looked noticeably bigger last night, Noah. Did you kind of get that vibe? He just They looked yeah. like different weight classes. He really did look like he was probably cutting a good amount of weight to make that featherweight limit. He looked big in there. And, uh, you know, Spike's just a shorter guy, built really well. Um, still, again, I think bright futures for both these guys. They're entertaining to watch. Uh, not fight of the night, but it was a good fight. And uh, Algio's good. Not ready yet. Not uh, not after last night. Not ready for top 15. However, the 145 division is so deep. I mean, really here, think about it, Noah. Bill Algio, Jonathan Pierce. Hey, I'm there for it. Hey, that's a great fight. I mean, think about it like this. You know, we're real big on uh, the guy that beat Spike Carlisle in his last fight, Billy Quarantillo. Uh, Billy is scheduled to fight Gavin Tucker, I believe, mm -hmm. at uh, UFC 256. Um, either that or that really big fight night uh, that Hamzat and Leon Edwards are headlining. I can't remember which one. But uh, Spike Carlisle gave Billy more troubles than he gave Bill Algio. So mm. maybe down the line we're looking at Algio versus Quarantillo here. So just something to think about. Yeah, I mean, we just had Brandon versus Brandon. Now we might get Bill versus Billy. I mean, that would be a fun <laughs> one. But yeah, I mean, yeah. really, Jonathan Pierce and Algio here, both coming off wins against good guys, that could be a fun fight. I agree. And I will say that I, I obviously we both, I believe, picked Spike Carlisle to win this. And a lot of that being that off of their last performances, I just felt like we saw more out of Spike compared to Bill. But in this fight, you know, Bill looked very composed. Mm -hmm. he, he really, he just looked like, he just looked confident. I think that's, he was confident in his game plan. He stuck to his game plan. 
And Spike, being kind of the wild man, he just looked like he had nothing for Bill here. He yeah, just, when he once the just, gas tank was empty, yeah, he struggled. Yeah, 100%, so, which I keep saying a lot today. I need to stop saying that. <laughs> That's all right. Now we get on to our heavyweight fight. And, Dom, if you had not watched these fights, and I sat here and told you that two heavyweight prospects – went to a decision where the scorecards were 30-26, 30-27, and 29-28, would you have guessed that this would have ended up being potentially fight of the night? No. I, I thought we were going into a one-sided beatdown here on the preview show. And, so. and the guy who lost we thought was going to be carrying the hammer. Yes, and um, we but were instead, very wrong. Parker Porter, Parker Porter moves to 11-6 and six with the unanimous decision win over Josh Parisian. And I think kind of the story of this fight, first off, great fight. It These was. guys just slugged it out. I mean, it was a wild fight. Just guys throwing those freaking huge hands, these clubs at each other for three rounds. I think the edge here was that Parker Porter just had the better gas tank. Yeah, the 100%. Um, Parker looked fresh all three rounds, man. I mean, he really did. Uh, they came and for out. Heavyweight, and I want to say for heavyweight, these two guys did not – I mean – these guys had some flub to them, you know. These, oh, yeah. these weren't these isn't this wasn't Francis Ngannou's, you know, fighting. These were these guys had some some love handles to them. I mean, these boys were cutting weight to make the two sixty five yeah. limit. Um, for Parker Porter to look so fresh, I was impressed. I was. Yeah, he really beat down Josh Parisian. The round one was incredible. That round was mm-hmm. wild. After that, it was all Parker Porter essentially. Uh, but man, Parisian never gave up and. You know, that's saying a lot. The ref was looking a lot to just call off on the TKO, but every time the ref would get close, he'd fire back. Uh, so I respect that. But, man, shout-out to Parker Porter. I mean, we're talking about, again, we mentioned how he fought Gabriel Gonzaga, fought John Jones back in the day. So uh, good for him. Both these guys off of the Contender Series. Very fun fight. But, like you said, Parker had the better gas tank. Josh got very tired. Um, Man, I'm... I you don't see many big boys throw the heavy shots like this for three rounds and not get gassed. And Parker looked like he could go five round main event. Uh, so shout out to Parker Porter, man. Again, got the unanimous decision victory. You know, a couple more wins here, and it's ready for top fifteen. Just because of how uh, the light or the light heavyweight, the heavyweight division is right now, it's so top heavy. So yeah, Parker Porter, man, keep going, keep proving people wrong, keep proving me wrong. And uh, he'll be fighting the likes of your boy Andre Arlovsky or something like that here soon. (laughs) Keep proving me wrong too, Parker (laughs) Porter, because I definitely counted you out here despite the fact that you had the experience advantage, at least as far as uh, level of competition. Yeah. But, uh, man, I mean, he looked good here. And you're right, that first round was by far the best round of the whole night. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just wild. Yeah. I, I I always have a very clear cut. This is my fight of the night, and I like to say it. But I'm not sure if I'm going to give it to this one. And that's because in our co-main event, the fight that I had predicted to be fight of the night, I had a lot of fun watching this one. This uh, was awesome. Miguel Baeza, who I was already warm on, you know, the performance against Matt Brown, impressive. But here, man, he gets that arm triangle submission 
what a tight submission, by the way. Man, that looked like it hurt. Oh, yeah. Uh, he gets that in the second round over Takashi Sato. We finally got to see Sato fight after all these months in the making, after I rolled out the red carpet for him with my 15-minute presentation about the history of Japanese MMA. and Well, he lost. But I really love this fight. Yes. <laughs> And it was very much a star-making performance for Baeza, but I think I am going to say this was my fight of the night. First round of Porter Parisian was definitely the best round of the night, but I, I'm i going to go with Baeza Sato here. I'm all in on Baeza. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. I um, love him. I wrote, he is for real, in all caps, on my notes. And real quick before we break this down, I wanted to point something out here I just noticed. Uh, Baeza got the submission victory in round two, four minutes and 28 seconds in. If you remember correctly, our first fight of the night, Jonathan Pierce got the TKO in round two, also at four minutes and 28 <laughs> seconds. So that That's is really cool. I uh, just wanted to point that out. You don't see that often, so that caught my no, eye. You don't. But, uh, dude, first off, this first round, technical, crisp. Oh, what a striking battle it was. But Baeza mm-hmm. hurt Sato late, uh, ultimately getting him the round win. Was winning the round anyways, just getting the bigger shots off. But what a great first round. Then that second round, more of the same. I mean, another great technical battle. But once it got to the ground, that's where we saw how uh, multidimensional Miguel Baeza is. Again, undefeated for a reason. Now he's 10-0. and This was no easy fight for him. I'm just going to say it, Noah, and I know you're not going to like it. You might like it. I already told you this before we recorded. Like you said, you're all in. I wrote he's for real, in all caps. Dangerous anywhere the fight goes. Top 15 ready. He's top 15 ready. He is. Look, I'm happy to hear you say that because I'm all in on this kid now. I mean, he's 28 years old. Kid. He's 28 years old. (laughs) But young guy, he's not even in his prime yet. And for him to be looking this good, this clean, he's undefeated for a reason. He's showing it performance after performance. I don't disagree. Like, I don't – I'm not going to push back against you for saying he's ready for top 15. I'm just not quite sure I'm giving him top 15 yet. Right. I think I might want to ease him along a little bit more. Takashi Sato, good test. Another guy that was – I mean, you're potentially looking at him as being – if you had a – you know, 16 through 20 in the rankings, maybe he is on there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's he's right there. He's close. I might say he's one win away. I don't know. Um, it's tough for me to say, but I'm curious if you have a matchup in mind for him here in that welterweight division. I mean, if I were to literally throw him, because top 15 ready, do they book it? That's another story. But if they were, I mean, literally – no, the number 15 ranked welterweight is Hamzat Chmaya, which <laughs> is just true. crazy. But, uh, I mean, I'm looking here at 15 through 12. I mean, we've got a guy like Robbie Lawler. We've got a guy like Bilal Muhammad. I'd say that fight, but Bilal is about to fight. But I think it's coming soon, so it actually could line up yeah. timeline-wise. Mm-hmm. That'd be a really fun fight. Then we got a guy sitting around that's a legend in Anthony Pettis. Like, imagine Anthony testing Baeza. Pettis is no slouch. But he's welcomed, you know, other newcomers before. That's a really entertaining fight, and that's a really good test to see if Baeza really is ready to fight elite level competition. I'll tell you rather what, than really good competition. 
you might have sold me on Anthony Pettis. And that, again, that's a great it. fight, man. Great fight. That is a great fight. I don't know at this point in Anthony Pettis' career what he's interested in doing. Um, his We haven't seen him since 249 where he fought Cowboy Cerrone, a fight he won. But before that, he had lost to Diego Pajera on the Connor and Cowboy card. So um, I'm not sure where his mind's at. You know, is he just wanting to take these fights against other Bigger name, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or is he still looking to keep moving forward? What's next? What's going to get him closer to a title shot? Whatever it might be. Um, I love that matchup, though. Anthony Pettis, Miguel Baeza, truly a test for both guys. Yeah. And if you're going to do top 15, I like that. Maybe even Robbie Lawler, considering Lawler is looking to fight in March as Mm -hmm. of now, it looks like. I wouldn't be opposed to that one either. Um. I mean, what yeah, a, you I got, mean he's in a 15, tough division. It's a tough division to matchmake because your number 15 guy <laughs> might be literally number three here in a couple weeks. Yeah, and then fighting for a title. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's, needless to say, it's pretty stacked. <laughs> I mean, think about, like, just down-the-road matchups, assuming Baeza can stay on this hot streak undefeated. I mean, we've got, again, a guy like Anthony Pettis. Muhammad would be an incredible fight, him and Bilal. But then we're talking like a Baeza versus Jeff Neal, Baeza versus Vicente Luque. Ooh, man. Those are uh, fun. I have, one, I have a matchup, actually, that I don't know how, you know, I don't know what you're going to think of this one. If you're talking about a bigger name, maybe guy that's not ranked, Miguel Baeza versus Mike Perry. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that... That's a good fight. That's an exciting fight. That's, good. Mm-hmm. That's a good um, A lot of that depends on kind of where Mike Perry's head's at. Right. You know, I, I'm not too interested in seeing Mike Perry fight in the current conditions he's fighting under, so we'll we'll see on that one. But I, I do think that if you get that Mike Perry who's head's in the game and he actually has a camp behind him, um, I think that could be some fireworks there. And it'd be a high-profile matchup, but it's also a guy who's not quite ranked. You're still, it's a test, but it's not necessarily throwing them to the wolves, I guess, is kind of my worry with someone like Baeza. Yeah, you don't want to push these, we've, we've talked about this multiple times, how quickly and how hard do you want to push these prospects? Uh, mm-hmm. So this is another one now that the UFC has to worry about. And then on the other end, for Takashi Sato, hang in there. This dude is talented, still 16-4. Yeah. and four. Great striker, great technique. Um, he's not going away anytime soon. Still a young guy in himself, so he's yeah, got a bright I, future. I, I was glad to see him perform the way he did. Uh, unfortunately, being finished like that, you know, that sucks. But um, a guy that he had a good chin. I mean, Baeza's landing some some really clean shots for a while before he got dropped. And uh, Takashi, man, I mean, his striking was very clean. I mean, it looked good. He showed a lot here in I, I I know that it's still a tough loss, but he's going to bounce back, I think, and we'll be looking at him potentially. Maybe we'll be looking at him against top 15 guys here after a couple wins. So hang in there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll move on to our main event of the evening, and I'm just going to start by saying I was wrong. I want to I wanna, uh, give a formal apology to Lionheart, Anthony Smith here. Um, 
funny enough, after we stopped recording Friday, I sat there and thought about my predictions. And I just had this weird, bad feeling about picking Devin Clark here. And that proved to be true because Anthony Smith wins via a triangle choke two and a half minutes into the first round. Dom, he's back. Return of the Mac. Y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot. Anthony Smith, the Lionheart for a reason, when his back is against the wall, goes out there and gets a triangle choke submission two minutes and 34 seconds into the very first round. Thank goodness, by the way, because this six-fight main card was going deep into the night last night. But, but, uh, man, what more can you say? I mean, right from the get-go, wrapped in the body lock on Devin Clark, took him right down. As soon as he took Devin down, I knew he was going to finish that fight. I knew it was going to end in the first round. It was a matter of when. He's... People sleep on how good Anthony Smith is on the ground and how good his jiu-jitsu is because of how often he knocks people out. This dude is for real on the ground. That's three wins in a row for him via submission. All against top guys. We're talking Vulcan Uzdemir, Alexander Gustafson, now Devin Clark. Anthony Smith is about as well-rounded as they come and doesn't get the respect he deserves for that. What a bounce-back win here, coming off of two straight losses. And no, I'm just going to give it to you how I see it. Mm-hmm. Next fight for Anthony Smith. Obviously, another fight night headliner. Hello. Duh. That's that's a given. Johnny Walker. That's it. Mm. That's it. That's like what it has it. to be. Um, I'm not ready to send him right back into the top five yet. Because, you know, again, Devin Clark, a guy that was, I believe, what was he, third. They don't even have him. Was he not ranked as of last night? I thought he, he wasn't. Ranked. He wasn't ranked. Okay, gotcha. So wasn't even ranked actually. So um, he needs to fight another ranked guy, obviously, if he wants to work his way back to a title. But I'm not ready to throw him back into the top five. Top five's really booked right now. Jan's kind of waiting on if it's Glover or if it's Izzy. Uh, Tiago just lost. Dom's set up to fight Yuri, and now Tiago's fighting Rakich, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all full. He's already beaten Vulcan. I mean, yeah, you can do a rematch maybe. The only other option I see outside of Johnny Walker is Nikita Krylov, and that's because they haven't fought before. But if we're wanting to just put on fireworks for the fans, two fan favorites, Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker, hey, sign me up for that. I agree. Um, To your point about his underrated ground game, 13 of his 34 wins by submission, Yep. 18 by knockout. That dude finishes fights anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, this performance, look, Devin Clark came out like a house on fire. Um, Yeah, went right at him, didn't he? Went right at him, hit him with a good right hand. But as Anthony even pointed out, I don't think it, like, hurt him or anything. I think it was caught him off balance, um, which is probably the point there. But I think Clark's point, I think what Clark's plan here was to try to get Anthony out of there early. Yeah, that's what it looks like. um, (laughs) Literally after that right hand, uh, Clark rushes in, but Smith's able to get the body lock, take it down. Now, Clark did uh, have a nice transition at one point. Mm-hmm. He was able to switch. Uh, he was on the ground, on, in the bottom position, excuse me, and he was able to reverse it and get top position. And that's where the fight ended, because Smith was able to get that uh, triangle choke from the bottom. So, so and, slick on the ground, man. We're talking about Anthony Smith at one point had it to where he could have locked in a twister. We don't yeah. see light heavyweights locking in twisters. What? Yeah. 
these guys are 205 pounds. Um, yeah. So, yeah, everywhere the fight goes on the ground, Anthony Smith's is very comfortable. I mean, if you're finishing fights off your back, that's saying a lot here. Yeah, um, I was very impressed. That it was. It just really. It was really nice to see Anthony Smith smile. Again. It was, man. God, I, I will say, I you know, despite me picking him to lose in this fight, he gets a lot of unwarranted hate online, and I don't understand why. <laughs> what What a guy! I mean, the story behind him, and just always putting on great fights, always in main events, well spoken, respectful, dude. You can't ask for more out of this guy. He's been this journeyman of like a middleweight who moves up to light heavyweight and like truly reaches his ceiling. You know, sure. Do we still have questions on if he's a real title contender? Yes. You know, he beat an unranked guy. So you want to reserve some of those expectations. But look, man, I mean, he was beating guys like Alexander Gustafson and Vulcan Uzdemir, guys who have fought for the belt. You know, and guys that were still fighting at a high level still are fighting at a high level for like Vulcan. <clears throat> so I I was really happy to see that he got this bounce back here. I want to pitch you another potential matchup. Oh, this wasn't one that I really thought of uh, at first, but he was called out on Twitter. He was. I did see that. By our number 13, also, but number 13 in the rankings, but number one on the top 25 list of fighters 25 and younger. And that's Mr. Jimmy the Brute Crew. Oh, shit. I was thinking of another call out. I didn't even see this one. Jimmy yeah, Crew called out Anthony Smith? Jimmy Crew called out Anthony Smith on oh, Twitter. Oh, wow. That um, is a great fight. I thought now, you were talking about Paul Craig. Because Paul Craig oh, called out Anthony Smith. I did not see Paul Craig call him out. <laughs> We're uh, teaching each I other. Mind either. I wouldn't mind that one either. You know, Anthony Smith, he did beat an unranked guy. So in a way, it's like, okay, like you said, not quite ready to put him back in the top five. Um, but he's still he's ranked sixth, you know? It's weird. He's technically tied for sixth. Like, they put him... Him and Vulcan are tied, but he beat Vulcan, so he's sixth in my eyes. Yeah, I don't like when they do ties in the rankings. So I think that's yeah, it doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> uh, him versus like a number thirteen Jimmy Crew or number fifteen uh, or fourteen now Paul Craig. Um, I understand that it's fighting quite a bit lower than like a number nine Johnny Walker or um, number ten Misha Serkinov or no number eight. Excuse me, you said Nikita Krylov, right? Um. But I I like those matchups. Now, Jimmy Crew, that's a dangerous matchup for him because, yeah. you know, when you're talking about momentum, I mean, really, Paul Craig looked great against Shogun, but a guy who is, you know, he's he, he looked great against an old Shogun, but he's had his, you know, his low points in the UFC as well. So maybe that Paul Craig matchup makes a little bit more sense for him right now. And for Crude, I mean, if they were to do that with a lot of hype behind him, I could see it. Well, now we're talking about, you know, the only loss of Crude's career was against the best competition and Misha Serkinov, who's ranked 10. But now he's on a two-fight win streak again, both by finish, both in the first round, but lower-level guys. So here mm-hmm. it would be coming again against a guy like Anthony. Can he get the job done when it's the, the biggest test of his career? Uh, that is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one better, and I'm just going to do two fights. I'm doing Jimmy Crute, Paul Craig, Anthony <laughs> Smith, Johnny Walker. <laughs> there yeah. we go. That's what I'm talking I do about. Really, I do really like uh, 
your matchmaking there, though, for uh, Johnny Walker. I think that's a great matchup. I think Johnny now, deserves that now, too. Now that he's kind of back, you know. You can do that as a fight night headliner. Oh, Give one million Smith percent. Eight in a row. One million Give percent. Eight in a row. But both yeah, these guys were just out. on two fight losing streaks and now coming off finishes in the first round. I mean. Yeah. But I, I guess yeah, there's a lot of options, I think, is the point here for Anthony Smith. I mean, with a win like that, you, I'm, I'm welcoming him back into, like, the good graces of the top 15, and I'm not going to be questioning him for a little while as far as, like, what his career, the future holds for him and stuff. I, I just want, I'm glad that he won. Uh, for Devin Clark, you know, you got to wonder if really, is he ever really going to be a top 15 guy? He just seems to be on the cusp and just can't quite. I mean, this was a big jump up for him fighting a number six, Anthony Smith. But, you know, he's been tested time and time again. He's still a young guy, so, I'm, you know, there's time for him. But didn't really get to see a lot from him here. You know, he had the one right hand, and then he was able to transition on the ground into top position, which was impressive. But, you know, got submitted pretty easily, I would say. Well, now, I mean, for Devin, in his biggest fights, he's not been able to come up. Now we're talking, now we got Anthony Smith. But before that, we've got Jan Blachowicz, now the champ. Uh, Alexander Rakic just beat Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann. So in the biggest fights where Devin has the most upside and the most to gain, he just falls short. So I'd like, to, you know, I'm all for the guy continuing to fight top competition. I respect it, and I hope he can get that one big win for his career. 100%. And I just said it again. I got to stop saying that. <laughs> Sound like a broken record. But with that, I think we close the book here on hashtag UFC Vegas 15. Dom. We actually have breaking news. Whoa. whoa. Breaking news. Uh, Brett Okamoto. Oh, has, God. Has spoken. What has are you spoken. doing? What, what are you doing? I know. I a part. I saw it pop up while we were talking. I was like, should I wait? But now I ain't going to wait. February <gasps> 6th. Ooh. We have a big fight. Oh, I just saw for it. Light, for lightweight. <laughs> Diego Ferreira and Benil Dariush is happening on that card. Um, that's huge. Oh man! You know we're big Darius stands on this on this podcast. Wow! Six fight win streak versus five fight win streak rematch from 2014. Hello. You know what? I didn't realize it was a rematch. First off, that's cool. <laughs> and also, what I'm going to say here is, I like this matchup because these are two guys that aren't quite at the name value that they deserve compared to the rest of these guys in their division. So potentially you're looking at who's going to get the rub here, the winner, who's going to get that platform, be able to raise their name here in a, in a big win. And it makes sense in the rankings, number nine versus number 12. Oh man. Both guys on big hot streaks right now. Oh, I love it. Dude. Yes. I love that fight. You talk about really good matchmaking again here. In looking at the points of the careers of the two fighters, I love this. Love it. And it's mm-hmm. a huge upside for either winner. Yeah. And not a lot to lose if you're the loser. I mean, this is great. That's great. Thank you for bringing that up to finish yeah, up and the I'm episode. Just glad, I'm glad we're going to see 
Diego fight again. It's going to be over a year for him at that point. So glad to see him back in there. And for Benil, we haven't seen him since, I believe, August. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it, man. That's exciting. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, so you guys listening at home, you guys got a little extra news segment there here at the end. So uh, relishing that. <laughs> Love it. Ooh, that's but, exciting. Yeah, but that is the end. As for the rest of the week, Friday, it's another preview episode. This time headlined by Jack Manson, Marvin Vittori. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very excited for that fight and that card. Oh, yeah, can't but, wait. Hopefully that main event stays together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so true. And then obviously a week from now we'll be uh, recapping those fights that will be happening on Saturday. Uh, I believe this is another ESPN card, Dom. Yep, back-to-back. Back. So if you guys, you know, if you have cable, check it out. If you don't, get ESPN Plus. It's only $5 a month. And I think it's another six-fight main card. I think. I think. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to trust you because the UFC should do that for us because we're such big fans. We're all for it here. I mean, we love six-fight main cards. If we get back-to-back, oh, it's just it's our paradise, you know? I almost said it again. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm just going to wrap this up before I start saying 100% again. Okay. <laughs> so, Dominic, tell the people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Diesely14. And you can find our podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my Twitter or Instagram bios, at nt baker underscore you'll be taken to our link tree which gives you the links to all the platforms our podcast is on along with our social medias so the twitter the instagram the youtube channel the anchor page spotify google apple podcast they're all on there along with the link if you want to become a supporter of a podcast that just gives us a few dollars a month to all of it goes back into improving the quality of the podcast whether it be the audio or down the road doing a video podcast but we just appreciate you guys listening And again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. And we're going to see y'all on Friday.